The text that calls for our attention this Lord's Day is from our Gospel reading, and especially these words. An enemy has done this, Jesus said. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather the weeds? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you would root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm sure most of you have at one time or another come across or read one of the book in the series entitled Blank for Dummies. They have all sorts of titles, computers for dummies, accounting for dummies. They even have one called Christianity for Dummies. The idea behind all of these books is that they are supposed to be sort of easy to digest introductions to any topic. Even the way they format the book is to try to make it look not very intimidating at all. Well, imagine with me this morning reading one called Gardening for Dummies. And as you turn to one page, you see there in a nice little offset box this tip. It says, if weeds grow in your garden, do not remove them. Let them grow alongside the plants until that item you are growing is ready to harvest. Well now, for some who don't like weeding, they might really like that advice and give it a try. Maybe even highlight the page. But most seasoned gardeners would want to call the publisher immediately and say, you know, this book should be renamed to Gardening by Dummies <laughs> instead of for dummies. Leave the weeds in the garden? It sounds like a terrible suggestion. And yet, that is the advice that is encapsulated in the parable that Jesus tells. He tells a parable about raising up a wheat crop in this example. And in that example, he says, yes, if there are these tares, these weeds that grow up in the midst of the wheat crop, he says no one should try to remove them. He says, let both grow together until the harvest. Now, of course, we should be clear that Jesus, in telling this parable, is not giving agricultural advice. He's not teaching anyone how to raise up a good wheat harvest in a literal field. Instead, like with all of his parables, he is trying to teach them something about the nature of the kingdom of God as it exists in this world. And in this parable, what he's trying to remind everyone is that in this world, the children of God and the children of the evil one live side by side. There's no geographical lines drawn in this world where only the children of God can live over here or only the children of the evil one can live over here. No, indeed, those two can live very close together. They can be neighbors living on the same block. They can be co-workers in just a cubicle down from one another. And they certainly live in the same communities, states, and nations. And Jesus is clear, with that all being true, that we are to let the children of the evil one grow side by side with the children of God. We are to do that all the way until the harvest, when God promises that he will sort it all out. He will send out his angels and everything will be sorted out and each one will be sent to the appropriate place. 
The wheat will be gathered into God's barn. And the tares, they will be bundled together and burned. Now let me ask you, doesn't this advice from a spiritual sense sound about as ludicrous as it does from a gardening perspective? I mean, aren't there times when you think, when you see evil, that the easy solution would just be to get rid of that evil immediately? I don't know about you, but when I see something that strikes me as particularly evil, my first thought is that, yes, it would be great if that evil were torn up from the field of this world. When you hear about a person who's abused a young person, don't you want them torn up out of the world? When you see a video of terrorists holding a machete in their hand, don't you want them to be torn up? When you hear about the person who is scamming elderly people out of their money day after day, don't you think it'd be better if they were just gone? I would assume for each of us, the particular evil that gets us sort of riled up inside is a little different. But when we see that thing that bothers us most inside, we often think that those tares, those weeds, should just be ripped up out of the field of this world. Now, perhaps in our modern society, most of us who are Christian people do not think about actually taking action ourselves to try to get rid of those evil people. But internally, we have very much the same thoughts. The disciples, you remember one time, asked Jesus if they could just call down fire from heaven to take care of a town of people that would not listen to the word of God. Well, now imagine if you believed that you could do that with just a simple command. If you had that power to drop down fire on those that you thought were evil, wouldn't it be tempting at least to try to use it? Especially, what if that child of the evil one that we're talking about was someone that had done something directly to you or maybe even more powerfully to your family? Then would you want to act? Well, Jesus told those disciples who asked about calling down some fire that they should not do that. He said they were of the wrong spirit. And in this parable, he told the disciples this time that they should let those weeds continue to grow. And so Jesus tells us also today as we hear his word that we are to let these children of the evil one grow together with those who are the children of God, in the field of the world. Yes, Jesus says, let them grow together with the wheat. And so we might ask, is Jesus nuts? Does he love evil? Or is he just too soft to do what really needs to be done? Well, certainly any of us sitting here is far more crazy than Jesus ever was. And the Bible makes clear that Jesus has no affection to offer for evil or evildoers. As for whether he's too soft, well, I suppose it, mean, it depends on what you mean by that term. If you are asking, is he so weak that he will simply not punish evil? Well, the answer there is no. He makes clear in the explanation of this parable that he will, on the last day, punish evildoers. They will be bound up and thrown into the fire. But if you mean, does Jesus have a nature 
that causes him to not delight in destroying evil people? Well, then the answer is yes. You see, you could call him a little soft in this way, for he would much rather turn those tares into wheat than he would cast them into eternal fire. And perhaps that is why he allows the tares to grow right alongside of the wheat. The truth be told, the parable doesn't really say much about what God has planned by allowing these both to grow side by side. He simply tells us that we are not to go about thinking it is our job to tear up those tares, those, the weeds growing next to the wheat. It is not our job to seek to personally remove all evil from the world. Why not? Well, Jesus tells us why not. He tells us that he has not entrusted this task to us because he knows that we would not do it very well. He knows that our judgment of who should be removed would be far too rash and quite frankly often wrong. He knows that we would end up ripping up some of the children of God because in our eyes they look like weeds. Yes, as we continue to remember this year, the 500th anniversary of the Reformation, it might do us well today to remember that the Church of Luther's day was essentially trying to do exactly what Jesus says not to do. They were trying to identify the weeds, uh, then remove them. They had identified Luther as a child of the evil one. And therefore, they were going to try to remove him. They sought to tear him out of the field. But had they had their way in full, they would have only served to tear out a true child of God by their carelessness. And that is why the Christian church wars only with the word and never with the sword. The true wheat we know will be revealed on the last day and it will be gathered into God's barn. The rest will be cast into the fire. But until then, they grow together. While other religions suggest that unbelievers should be uprooted as soon as it is possible, the Christian instead has a much different approach. They simply speak the truth and live humbly before God. And they trust that God will take care of the evil, that he will do so in his own time. Oh, this may frustrate us, but it is God's good way. Think about how many times in life we probably act in a way that is sinful because we really don't take into account or believe or soak in what God tells us will happen on the last day. You see, when we don't take the last day seriously, we get all messed up in the present day. We can get frustrated by what we have or what we don't have, if we forget that God has promised us that we'll have all things on the last day. We can get addicted to earthly pleasures here if we forget that God has promised us eternal pleasure in heaven. We can indeed, yes, want evil to be dealt with very quickly if we forget that God has promised that he will take care of it on the last day when he comes. I guess we could say in the end, we're often short-sighted and we're rather impatient. But thanks be to God that he is not. Think about it. 
It took him almost 4,000 years or so from promising Christ would come to Adam and Eve in the garden until he sent him upon the earth. But it turned out to be the perfect timing and the perfect Savior. Indeed, again, we could stop and say, you know, it's taken him over 2,000 years since he promised his return. And yet we ought to know that when he comes, it'll be the perfect time and the perfect Savior again. We could say that God is the very definition of long-sightedness. It is one of his best qualities because it drives him to do the things that are best for us in the end. And as for patience... Well, God certainly has the patent on that one as well. He waits and waits for his creatures to turn from the evil one to him to find life. I shouldn't say even that he waits for them. He goes after them. He chases them down with his word in order that that change might occur. For while nobody has yet figured out in the agricultural field how to somehow magically turn tares into wheat, Jesus does know how to turn the children of the evil one into his own children. He has sent out his church with the message about Christ and his death and resurrection for this very purpose. Yes, through his word and through water and bread and wine, he does this work every day. He takes people that were once living in the household of Satan and adopts them and makes them his children instead. Yes, he is very patient. The Bible calls it long-suffering with his people, that each child who is not yet living with him might indeed end up doing just that. When you see evil in the world, this parable is not telling you that you should like it by any means. God doesn't like it either. But you should not think that it's your job to tear it all up out of the field immediately. No, we are told to let it grow together with the children of God. And so we speak the truth, we remain faithful, and we walk humbly with our God. We trust God to take care of the evil in his own perfect timing. Truth be told, his favorite way to take care of evil is not what we would do. It's not to call down fire and destroy evil, but rather he would rather forgive it for the sake of Christ. He would rather turn those tares into wheat. But he will take care of evil one way or another, by forgiving it, or on the last day, by punishing it. Yes, he will forgive on account of the work of Christ all who look to him in faith. And all those who will not, they will be punished on the last day. So either way, evil will be taken care of by God. Do you not like how God works Do you think you would do it a better way? Well, you should like how God works. Because after all, it is his long-sightedness and his patience with you that has brought you to salvation. Just think for a moment. If God was short-sighted and impatient with you and your deeds, how would that work out for you? You would have been ripped up a long time ago. Me as well. So don't ponder what would have happened had God been short-sighted and impatient. Rather rejoice that he is long-sighted and patient with the world in general and with you specifically. Rejoice that in Jesus he has given you life. 
And one day he will gather you into his barn. In his holy name we pray. Amen.